Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today, <coughs> pardon me, Melinda and I are having a chat to Jonathan Bell from Bell Estate. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Yeah, welcome back, Jonathan. It is rental market update time again today. And I know these episodes have been very popular in the past because we always talk about what's happening uh, based on what we're seeing in the sales side by being out and about on the ground. But I think for any property investors that either own property in Brisbane or, or are looking to uh, purchase an investment property in Brisbane, it's equally important to understand what's happening in the rental market. I think that the direction of rents um, gives us an indication of how our investment is performing in terms of the income that we are generating. So um, I'm really excited to be able to welcome Jonathan back today and we are going to pick his brain to find out what his team have been seeing throughout Brisbane and I know that they do have a, a large property management portfolio throughout a lot of areas throughout Greater Brisbane. So uh, Jonathan, welcome. Looking forward to getting your insights again. Yeah, thank you. It's been a very busy six months since we were on last. So the last time we spoke was August, I believe, yep. um, last year. Um, and things things are moving pretty pretty well, I think, in the in the rental side of things. Yep. Since then, what's what's happened? Um, yeah. Obviously, a few months down the track, we've had Christmas, we've had COVID, we've had lots of things. Yep. What's happening in the rental side? Do you see? Um, things have continued to escalate. It's been a really positive six months. Um, January in particular has been the busiest January we've ever experienced. Even with COVID? Definitely. Because it's been obviously the highest, obviously the rate and the, the, the COVID sort of results have, have gone up and you think people are staying at home, not doing much. Um, no. So January has been huge. Yeah, 100%. The numbers have skyrocketed. Um, we've seen a significant increase in the amount of inquiry, the amount of applications and the amount of groups through properties. I'd like to unpack that a little bit because I know the Australian Financial Review recently uh, published an article um, indicating that Brisbane property has had the biggest January in 20 years and that was supported by the president of the REIQ um, in, in statements that she made in relation to that report. Now, between August when you were last on the podcast here and now, vacancy rates back in August for Brisbane were 1.3%. Vacancy rates have shifted only modestly between 1.3 and 1.4%. Currently, they're sitting at 1.3%. So we've been in a really tight um, environment in terms of vacancies citywide. But um, you and I both know some locations are you know, much more in demand than others based on very limited supply and very tight vacancy and a lot of places less than 1%. Um, how does that sort of correlate or relate to the number of groups that you've had through? Are you seeing high volumes of people or have you been seeing high volumes of people throughout January when you are advertising a property for rent? Yeah, absolutely. And tenants are now accustomed to paying the asking price, if not more than the asking price. Um, they're applying before they go to the property. So um, last time I was in in August, I think tenants were getting frustrated because it was a different market they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And now they're starting to be, um, they start, they're getting used to the fact that they have to apply before the inspection. They have to pay the asking price. Um, and then some are now paying more than the asking price or willing to pay money up front. So there's still big groups coming through, yeah. as you say. And then, and who? Yeah. Who, who are the tenants? Where are they all coming from? I know. <laughs> I asked the same question to myself. Um, we're getting a lot of families. January is typically a time that families will relocate mm -hmm. to move into school catchments, etc. So um, in December, we actually found a lot of people moving out of home. Um, so we saw young professionals moving out with friends or moving out of home for the first time in December. Mm -hmm. But in January, we've seen a big shift to families 
um, interstate immigration, and it's a time when people want to change. So there's been no impact with the this, this school delay, obviously, because school got put back a couple of weeks. Is that Has that had any effect? Obviously not. No, it hasn't. No, no, I think people still need to move into the area, so we haven't seen an impact at all. Can I also ask, when you say that you've had, you know, high volumes of people through, at a typical inspection where you advertise a property for rent, yep. um, what would be a typical range? Like a, a, a really popular property would have approximately how many people come just for the inspection? Yeah, it's a good question. I always say the golden number is six. Yeah. If you have more than 10 people through a property, you've probably underpriced it. Okay. So I actually don't like to, if you get, if you underprice it, you could get up to 20, right. um, but ideally six, because then typically you'll get three applications to pick from. Okay. Um, so I like to get around the six to eight, uh, but I don't like going above 10 because it means you've underpriced it mm-hmm. and under three, you've overpriced it. Okay. Yep. So you're getting about three applications when you're getting approximately six groups through, yep. um, which gives the landlord the opportunity to pick and choose 100%. who they they want to, you know, approve. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Okay. So what are some of the um, applicants doing, given that it's such a competitive environment? I mean, we always talk about how competitive it is in the sales environment. Everything's multiple offer. Three would be a low volume of offers on a property to to buy at the moment. I mean, some of the multiple offer situations that we've been in, there's been in excess of 15 or 20 even in the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, when a tenant submits an application to rent a property what are you seeing some tenants do to um enable their application to to stand out yeah upfront rent is a big one a lot of tenants offer three to six months up front especially young professionals because they're competing with families Mm. so they will offer um like yesterday we had an offer he, he put it in, he was a bit worried he wouldn't get it, so he pushed up to go six months in advance. Wow. So that is, is a big thing. And then a lot of tenants at the moment are paying between $50, 50 to $60 more than the asking price. Mm. Um, so up to 10% of the asking price they'll pay above and beyond. Wow, that's really interesting. And yeah. I just um, want to point out something there that's just jumped into my mind when you mentioned that some tenants are prepared to pay rent up front. It's really important as a property investor to understand um, how that might impact you from a tax perspective if you are accepting payments up front that cross over into another financial year. So if you're not aware of um, how that might impact you as a property investor, it might be worth just getting some advice before you accept that type of arrangement. Anything within the current financial year would be absolutely fine. Anything that um, you might be receiving income for that is um, for you know money that would otherwise come through in the next financial year um, just something you need to think about. It's not that's not tax advice. That's just uh, making you aware of the implications of receiving big lump sum payments up front. Definitely. And the other thing I'll say to landlords as well is that to take into consideration what does that mean for their interest repayments. So if they can yeah. get six months in advance and put it into an offset account, then they actually may be, be more beneficial to take a little bit less in rent because the interest repayments will go down a certain yeah. amount. Yeah. And what about the what about the the length of the um the lease? Are, are people sort of six months? Are they twelve months? Yeah. What's generally happening? Yeah, it's been really interesting because the market's so tight and tenants don't want increases. They're offering two years now, mm. so it's very common for twenty four month leases. Yeah. I personally think with the way the market's going, 
it's a little bit risky to do 24 months. Firstly, because if you don't like them, it'll be hard to get them out. And secondly, you're stopping yourself getting a rent increase in 12 months. Mm, and that's a good tip, actually, because when a market has been shifting at such a strong pace in terms of rental price growth um, in the housing sector, we talked about this last week, we've had 11.8% growth in Brisbane over the last 12 months. And that's just at a median level. And I'm sure, Jonathan, we'll pick your brain shortly to get some real-time examples of shifts in rent for specific properties that we've purchased for our clients that you've um, taken the property management for. But I think that, um, you know, it's important for us to understand that if we're locking ourselves in, we don't get that opportunity to see those rental price hikes. Um, And as a landlord, it's really important that you have the opportunity to do those regular reviews to make sure that your property is keeping up with market rent. Because I know on the purchase side, when we are looking at a property that might have had a long-term tenant in place, it is quite often under-rented right now. Um, The amount of rent that's being achieved on a property can potentially devalue a home as well when you are looking at the numbers and purchasing an investment property. So just something to keep in mind if you are looking to lock in a long-tenancy agreement. What about that, when we talk about that, the length of the the lease period, is there I think we've mentioned this probably previously, but is there a better time of year to actually align yourself for a lease to run out? Definitely. I think this January has been a really good indication. Landlords who had leases finished in January have substantially benefited from doing that. Um, An example is there was one in Kedron we were leasing out. Um, It was vacant the week before Christmas because they bought it and it settled at that time. It didn't rent. We had zero groups through the inspection before Christmas. The first inspection in January, we had 19 groups. Wow. So there was a 19 groups came through and it rented above the asking price. So I think that yeah. cha- December to January, if you can, and, and that's why it's not always doing six and 12 month leases. A lot of landlords think you have to either do six, 12, 18 or 24 month leases. Yeah. You can do the lease as long as you, long or short as you want. So if you, if you rent it in February, why don't you do an 11 month lease? So it finishes in January if they ever leave. So aligning the end of tenancy with the peak letting season makes yep. sense. Um, and that's a good tip for any property investors that are looking to um, purchase a property, even if you're purchasing in March, April or May, um, instead of offering that 12 month tenancy agreement, shortening it to align with um, completion at the, the most um, at the peak of the year, which is in that January season. So what about types of properties? Um, what what sort of where, you know, houses, units, what sort of properties are the most popular at the moment? Yeah, everything um, within reason is, is strong <laughs> everything. at the moment. <laughs> but units have tightened. So yep. I know last time I was on, units were um, struggling and, and rents weren't increasing because of COVID and the amount of supply on the market. That has definitely tightened. So the inner fringe units have um, have tightened. They're, they're, they're not seeing substantial growth, but they are renting quicker and they're going back to the pre-COVID prices. So when you say they're not seeing substantial growth, do you mean in rental price growth? Correct. Yeah, yeah. okay. And that's um, that's good to understand. So the demand's slowly picking up. People yeah. are starting to look for that product again. Obviously, when demand picks up to a point where it's not keeping up with supply, that's when we'll start to see that rental price growth. Um, we've talked about the difference between the housing market and the rental market in terms of what the data has been showing in rental price growth. And it has been lagging in that unit market, but time will tell whether that actually starts to pick up. Mm. And, and you've, I think you mentioned to us um, earlier about a, a property we helped one of our clients with um, had a significant growth in, in rent that they achieved on that one as well. Yeah, in, in Zilmia. So there was a property in Zilmia that was renting for $520 a week. We were considering, should we look at a renewal? The tenant wanted to stay. 
they were only willing to pay $550 a week. Um, we said, no, let's, let's put it on the market. And then yesterday we got an offer at $700. So there was a $170 increase in rent over the course of two years. It's not bad, is it? And, and look for, um, anyone that think that thinks that that's a big tip for where to buy. Um, obviously, you need to know about a suburb and not just assume that all parts of a suburb are the same. Um, but a little tip, that suburb was right on the border of Jibung and, um, and Aspley. So <laughs> yeah. for anyone that's a long-term listener to your podcast, there's a little tip. Um, and for that investor, they've done very well. And that was a purchase that was made a little while ago. Um, and we could see that there was definitely upward pressure on prices and rents. Um, occurring in that area because of the imbalance in supply and demand. So they're the sort of results that we are able to achieve for our clients. And that's well above the median um, rental price in Zilmia. Of course it is. Yeah, Zilmia is a suburb of two parts. And for anyone that doesn't know Zilmia, it's important to understand um, different sides of the train line. And that, and that's happening regularly. Like, you're seeing a lot of that yep. throughout the place, not, not just in, say, Zilmere, as we've talked about, but in other areas and other suburbs, you're seeing that sort of growth and that sort of demand? Yeah, definitely. There was another one um, for the executive rental side of things. Um, it's becoming more common to get properties over $2,000 a week. So um, there's a property in Hawthorne we've got online at the moment for $2,200. I'd say 12 months ago, that would have been $1,600, $1,700. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that executive rental market's really strong. And for $1,250 a week now, you'll get a four-bed, two-bath home potentially with a pool, mm. not much less than that. So the executive rental market has continued to increase as well. We talked about that, I think. Might have been last yeah. time we talked about that and we talked about the COVID effect and people working from home. Yeah. Is that the type of thing? Is that happening? I mean, Definitely. obviously you're saying that for that, that property you're talking about now, but we did talk about that and we said this is probably something that's going to happen. Yeah. So that that has actually happened and moving on. Yeah, definitely. And even um, it's it's affecting us. Like I used to do most of my work between five and eight at night and now everyone's working from home. So you go around throughout the day. Yep. Um, <laughs> and even open for inspections, it used to be very common to do 5.30 in the afternoon, but now tenants want to do midday or they can, they can duck out from home to go mm. do the inspection. And 5.30 is sometimes tough with the amount of traffic and picking up mm. kids. And mm. So um, it definitely has shifted and it's a different, the real estate has changed. Yeah. Do you think that those executive rentals, are they a lot of people that are relocating from interstate or are they locals that are looking for those executive rentals? Both. Both, yeah. yeah. Lo- locals, some are cashing out of the market because it is strong yeah. and then they're deciding to sell and then rent. Yeah. Um, for someone in their um, in their late fifties, maybe looking to get a cash injection, and then deciding they're going to continue to rent. Yeah. So yeah, both locals and also people interstate and expats coming home as well. Yeah, of course. And are they looking for long term uh, rental agreements? Do you find that the turnover at that top end of the market um, for rental properties are they typically twelve month leases, and then they will relocate, or do a lot of them do stay long term? There's two types. There's the people who are looking to rent before they buy. Yeah. So they're wanting to see if they like the area. Mm. Um, they want to get an understanding of the market. And then there's long-term renters who don't buy property but yeah. love to rent property. And maybe yeah. they're invested in the share market or they invest in their own business yeah. and they, they'll stay for up to a decade. Mm. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about locations? Obviously, your team is spread throughout a lot of yeah. pockets in Brisbane. Are you finding that rental demand based on, you know, who's out looking right now for properties, is it different in different pockets around Brisbane? Yes, it is. And and like what you said, Melinda, it's really important to understand the actual suburb and mm. what what pocket of a suburb. Because, mm. for example, in Strathpine, um, you could range from $400 a week all the way up to 
$650 a week, depending on the pocket that yeah. you're in. Yeah. So I think not only the suburb, but also where the, the location in the suburb as well. And the same goes in the sales market, you know, um, understanding a suburb from a local's perspective, the desirable pockets within a suburb, where the owner occupiers live within a suburb, it all makes absolute sense to be able to make those recommendations of what to buy as an investor, because that ultimately drives the value of the asset and the the rentability of the property because if you're in a desirable pocket people will pay a lot more rent um, and people will pay a lot more to buy in that pocket as well so definitely do not shop at a suburb level you have to understand the intricacies of a suburb before you buy an investment property and for example like the state high catchment which is a gps school in brisbane people will pay big money to get in because then they're saving $30,000, $40,000 $30,000, school $40,000 fees. in school fees. Yeah. Mm. So um, like there's a property in West End. It's a it's a property that you wouldn't expect to get $1,500 a week, but people are thinking, well, I'm, I'm saving a lot of money in school fees. So we'll go, yeah, pay yeah. that anyway and just yeah. um, get the kids a, a nice GPS education. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we, we see a little bit on the, you know, buying the property side of things where people are talking about, you know, being closer to the city and things like that. Um, also the impact from, you know, the announcement of the Olympics. Yep. Are you seeing it on the rental side yet or not? People wanting to get closer to the city, wanting talking about the Olympic side or is that too far away from a rental? Um, to be, um, it doesn't affect the rental side of things, but it does, there is landlords now who were considering selling who are now saying, you know what, I'm going to hold, yep. which means that supply is even tighter. Yeah. So That's not what we want to hear. We, don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to talk them into selling to help us yeah, buy. have more opportunity yeah. to buy. That's yeah. the big issue that Brisbane's had for so many months. The volume of the total volume of listings has been so tight and that's why we're seeing that strong upper pressure on prices because there's really very little to buy in a market where there's just so much buyer depth. Um, But it's similar on the rental side because vacancy rates are so tight. There's really not a lot of properties available to rent and yet we've got this surge in demand. And have you seen um, an uptick in that demand since the borders have actually reopened, the state borders. Yeah, I think that probably um, was part of the January mm. rush as well. So yeah. I think the January rush plus the borders were opening, plus the change of everyone changes and, and has New Year's resolutions in January and wants to move house. Mm. So I think that all exploded this January. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, when we're seeing headlines in some of the major newspapers in Sydney, for example, the Sydney Morning Herald um, just last week published a headline that Brisbane is the city where the rents are growing the fastest. I mean, people are seeing this, they're reading this, they're hearing this. Um, and so Brisbane is on the radar for a lot of property investors. We've definitely seen an uptick in the demand for our services um, also from home buyers, but also from property investors and a lot of interstate property investors who are priced out of their local market. So, you know, not only is there strong um, prospects for growth in terms of the value of the asset, but we're seeing this strong rental price growth. So people are getting equity uplift as well as more income from their asset, which is the perfect um, investment outcome, really. Yeah, exactly. So what about it from a landlord's point of view? Um, what are just probably some tips if we start at the beginning? So if a, you know you buy a property and you're going to rent it out, what, is, what are some of the hidden costs initially that people don't think of? that um, they should be aware of, things yep. like bond cleans and that type of thing? Yeah, exactly. I think um, um, when a when an owner who is living there has lived there for a long time, when a tenant moves in, there is a discrepancy because the owner gets used to one of the stovetops not working mm. and doesn't fix yeah. it or there's a lock that's a little bit sticky and tenants obviously paying um, premium rent want to make sure that that is uh, where it should be. So um, I always say when an, a, a tenant moves in to a landlord, 
no matter if it's brand new, if it's old, at some point there will be a little bit of maintenance. Yeah. So um, I always say the first month of rent is a good amount of money to factor in for bond clean, advertising, um, agent fees, and then any maintenance. So that first mortgage repayment, I think, is a good way of going, okay, that's how much money I need to get it off the ground. Yeah, I think it's a sensible um, thing to advise people on. And I know certainly for our clients, we're always um, allocating an upfront budget of $1,500 to get a lot of those things done because when you do purchase the property there's always those minor things um, that tenants will become upset about if they're not fixed but there's also some additional maintenance type things or preventative maintenance things that Scott's talked about in the past that um, if a landlord does spend up front it will prevent further costs down the track and that's yeah I'm really big on that preventative maintenance as you as you touched on I talked to all our clients about it Um, you know a little example that you're talking about you know people sometimes paint doors to make it look good but they don't plane any off the door so the door slightly catches yeah and i usually say little things like that you can live with it but if you can fix it straight away it's going to save money down the track because if you keep it like that and that that tenant keeps using that door and it rips the door you're up for a whole new door so Mm -hmm. it's just that little bit of money up front that you pay for is going to save you a lot of money i think down the track so i think i think that 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 preventative maintenance that once have the property manager go through it. Um, We send obviously properties that we purchase with clients. You guys come out to a pre-settlement most of the time with us and sometimes you organise trades to go as well and just have a walk through and just throw your eye over it um, and look at that that preventative maintenance side of things. Yeah, and on the clean side of things, if you get a professional bond clean before the tenant moves in, they then have to get a professional bond clean when they leave Mm -hmm. so the next tenant's not complaining. So getting it right from the start is really important. And then the other one as well is the smoke alarms. Yep. So as of January this year, all the smoke alarms need to be interconnected, need to be in all the living rooms and bedrooms mm. um, before you rent it out. And then you need annual compliance of that as well. And that that annual compliance is between 100 to $120, depending on the company and the package that you're with. Yeah, that's a good tip actually, because any properties that you buy at the moment, um, they don't need to be compliant with smoke alarm laws to purchase, but they do need to be compliant to rent. So if you are purchasing um, a property to rent, that will be an upfront cost if it's not already an interconnected system. And that's something that we're definitely advising our clients on. It's something to be aware of because if you're not aware of that, that's just an additional cost upfront that um, you may not have allocated. And because um, it is so in demand getting the smoke alarms, there there is a bit of a delay. So getting that organized before settlement is really important as yeah. well. And on that cleaning one, um, obviously, if you do the bond clean, if you buy it off somebody that's had the property rented, generally the bond clean happens, doesn't it? Generally. Yes, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if you buy it off an owner-occupier, they don't need to do a bond clean, do they? Correct, yeah. They just need to leave it in the same condition as when the buyer's yeah. agent or client has inspected it. Yeah, because so. some, pe- some people buy a property and they say, oh, has it been cleaned? Yeah. If it's an owner-occupier, yeah, it's been cleaned, but yeah. it's been cleaned as they've cleaned it, exactly. not a professional bond clean. Exactly, yeah. No, definitely makes sense. And then can you give some tips, Jonathan, in terms of what um, tenants need to be aware of before, you know, they're putting forward an application or some things that tenants are, you know, doing to, to try and win a property? Yeah, definitely. So if, um, if a tenant's inspecting a property on a Saturday, Typically on the Monday, we're wanting to approve an application. Mm. So having the application in before the inspection is really important. Making sure you make your current agent aware that you're looking and if a rental reference comes in to actually complete it, 
because what we find on a Monday is we're sending out rental references and there's a delay in coming back. So if there's a if there's a tenant with all the rental references that have come back, um, they've provided all their pay slips, they've given their um, all the information that we require. It is obviously attractive to a landlord to lock them in rather mm. than wait a few days to get the information. So I'd say being prepared is the most important thing. Sounds like the same as being a buyer, being prepared. <laughs> yeah, be so can tenants actually collect their rental? Um, references up front and have them ready to submit with applications or yeah. is it on a per property basis? Definitely. There's some softwares that agencies use that we can actually tap into. If they've given a positive reference, we can actually see that from previous properties they've applied for. Yeah. So um, to apply and um, and then there's one through realestate.com as well. Um, so using those platforms will assist as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. Yeah. So um, your recommendations for tenants to try and secure properties, be ready up front. Yep. Um, is there anything within their application that landlords typically like to see? Um, they're always going to be um, fond of more money. <laughs> um, <laughs> money but, talks. Yeah, exactly. Money does talk. And then um, I think that just a, being prepared and also giving an outline of why you want to live in the area, mm. um, making sure that you put on the application exactly who's going to live at the property, how many kids, are there pets, a photo of the pet. Be really transparent because yeah. we want to understand exactly who's living there, why they're living there. It's um, a very good tip. And and private landlords are a little bit, for, for a landlord as well, they need to be cautious. A private landlord could be their brother, sister, friend. So, mm. of course, they're going to give a positive reference. Mm. So you should look at a private landlord's reference differently to a registered agency's reference. They're very different. Yeah, and that's that makes perfect sense yeah. as well. Um, because I think an independent reference is going to speak volumes over something that um, that might be a private reference. Yeah, I, th- I think that honesty and that transparency, I mean, for you guys as, as well, you'll probably recommend someone more than someone else. If you have that relationship or, or you find that they're easier to talk to and communicate with because you're going to manage it as well. So exactly. it's going to make life hard for you if you don't... Um, get the right person as well exactly and i would like to just circle back to what you said you know landlords are looking for complete transparency i know one of the properties um in our portfolio that was recently uh rented again we had the multiple applications but for us reading through why they wanted to live in the area and why specifically this home was going to be suitable for them that's what's actually that's what got us across the line because there were a couple of applications that were just very factual and then there was one that stood out to us because um it described why this property was so important for them because their you know child could play in the backyard and blah 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 so of course yeah as landlords it's important not to be emotional but when you've got the choice to be able to invite someone to rent the property that you own that you know, really wants to be there and has expressed that sort of emotion in their application, it does make a difference as opposed to others who might just put in, look, you know, this is who we are, this is what we need, and it's just very factual. Yep. You're not connecting with an owner. So there's another tip. Exactly. Do you see um, for the landlord side of it, I, I know we briefly touched on that with some of the upfront costs, do you see things like um, annual pest inspections? Do, I mean, is that something they people are doing all the time now? I know yep. I talk to our, our clients about it and say, look, Get an annual pest inspection. They can they can check for termites, things yep. like that, as well as spraying for cockroaches, whatnot. Yep. People yep. people are doing that. Yeah, they are, and Good. they should be. Yep. Um, I think um, it, that actually also comes down to the agency as well. Yep. I think that's also important that they're um, giving yeah and giving guidance to the landlord on what needs to get done. Yep. Another one's landscaping. Yep. I think um, having someone come in annually, or depending on the property, quarterly, or um, to to spruce it up because. Yep. What the worst thing will happen is the tenant leaves, 
the property doesn't look like it did a year ago. That takes a long time to get to the level it was. Mm. So you're not going to attract the same quality tenant and get the same rent. So you might be paying $300 to get a landscaper out there annually to spruce it up, but it means when the tenant leaves, you're going to get a better quality tenant, get more rent, and it presents really nicely. I, I, I have to agree with you on that one because I learned from that a few years ago with the property of ours. Um, I had to get a, a landscaper out there to do some work on it, and he took away about 12 cubic metres of green waste. Yeah. So it cost me a fortune. I wish I'd done it you know, more regularly. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a good tip, um, definitely on that one. Just just one quick one on the landlord side of it. Renovations, improvements, yep. are they doing them now? Would you suggest doing them straight away? Yep, um, it's a good question. I'm suggesting not to do them at the moment. People will pay a premium for um, yep. getting them done because – um, the cost of materials have gone up. Tradies are the busiest they've ever been. Yep. Um, so you're going to get delays in getting it done. It's going to cost you more. And the rental market's so strong. So why not capitalise on the current rental market, mm -hmm. rent it out for another 12 months, and then prepare your quotes and start looking to do it in 12 months' time if they leave. If it softens down a bit, I guess that's a good way to to encourage the tenant to stay even, to say, yep. oh, look, we'll put some air conditioning in or we'll do improvements for you as well. Yeah, exactly. And you're sprucing it up so it, it'll look fresh. And if you're going to re-rent it, you'll find a tenant again very easily. Yep. It's very good advice. Um, and, you know, I know we always talk about how you can add value to obtain more rent from the rental property. It is very important to consider when the best time to do that is. And you need to consider the environment that we are in in Brisbane in relation to the construction crisis. It's very hard to get a tradie. So tradies are you know, quoting high prices um, and that's just a, um, you know, a run, it has a run-on effect. So very good tip if you don't have to do it, if it's not going to impact on um, how the tenant lives in the property now and if it's a thing that's going to add value to the property like adding a deck or another bathroom, delay it until it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Yep. How do they get in touch with you, Jonathan? I know we've, we've talked about it before, but it's Bell, B-E-L-L. -L. Yep, so Bell, B-E-L-L, -L, Estate Agents. Um, we're on um, our website, www.bellestateagents.com.au, um, yep. Instagram and Facebook as well. Yep, so definitely if, you, if you're looking for a, uh, a good property manager, um, Jonathan and the team do a great job. Um, get in touch with them if you need help. Um, obviously, you need to buy a property, get in touch with us, and we can help as well So <laughs> at Streamline. So, um, look, I'll let Melinda wrap it up. Thanks very much for having a chat Thank again. You. Um, it's been good since August and um, we'll, we'll keep in contact and um, keep updates throughout the year to let everyone know what's happening up here in, in beautiful sunny Brizzy. So I'll let Melinda wrap it up as usual. It's been good talking. Thanks very much and bye for now. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, great to have you back today. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in once again. Um, I hope you have enjoyed the rental market update today with Jonathan from Bell Estate Agents. As always, if you enjoy what you hear, please don't forget to leave us a review, tell your friends and family about our podcast, um, share the love. We love to hear your feedback as well and very happy for you to email us at any time with topics that you'd like us to cover or any questions that you'd like us to answer in our Q&A sessions. Um, as always, enjoy your week and we will speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.